Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 In 1988, two little-known comedians named Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David met with NBC executives to pitch their idea for a pilot. It would be a sitcom about nothing. Who's on the show? It's damn good. <laughs> Seinfeld has gone on to become one of the most successful series in television history. After seven seasons, David left the show in 1996. But last December, when Seinfeld announced his decision to retire, he, Jerry Seinfeld, asked David to return to write the final episode. It will appear on May 14th before an expected audience of some 75 million plus people. Since leaving the show, he's turned his focus to the movies. This Friday marks his debut as a screenwriter and director with the film Sour Grapes. I am very pleased to have him join us right here on this screen. Mr. Larry David. Yeah, Welcome. but you referred to me as David. You were uh, calling me David. Uh, it frightened me when you said that. Because? Yeah, you called me by my last said, name, David. Should, yeah, you know, I, I should have David. said Larry David. Yeah, you could have called me Larry. Larry. Yeah, Larry. Larry. Since then, Larry's gone on. Oh, Larry did this. <laughs> Hello, hello, and welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keyes, alongside me as always, Mullen. <laughs> oh, imagine being that irate, that early in the interview. It was After, such a nice interview. Know, like, intro, like. Lists out all the plaudits and all the things. Yeah. Like, why are you calling me? Why are you calling me? intimidating me? Yes, the, the mighty curb your enthusiasm from Mr. Larry David. The we're going to say the, the spin off, it's not a spin off, it's a complete whole new venture, yeah. Um, but ultimately, for me, um, and I know any Seinfeld fans, it's kind of like, what if George Costanza was on adult based? <laughs> because we all know Costanza <laughs> is Larry David, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Scurvy Enthusiasm, HBO again, another HBO feature on Best of the Best, sponsored by HBO. <laughs> we uh, we wish there's the I mean, first season uh, aired in 2001, I do believe. 2000. 2000. Late 2000. But he'd actually, well, he, he was, what happens, basically that interview lines us right up to now. He did the Sarah Grapes screenplay, and yeah. then he was sitting in his offices being Larry David, and Jeff Garland, Jeff Green, mm -hmm. was actually in the same building. So he says, and what do you, what do you, what's the plan now? Like, he's like, well, I'm thinking about getting back to stand-up. And he goes, no, don't do it the normal route because people are going to turn up and expect you to do Seinfeld stuff and it's going to be stories about Seinfeld and that's not your stand-up. Mm -hmm. So he said, why don't you do like a documentary based on being going back to stand-up? And that was the documentary, Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. But it ended up being a mockumentary. Yeah, it kind of, it sort of, the idea was this sort of uh, lead up to how does he prepare himself yes. for the, this big, massive return to stage? Because, mm -hmm. as you say, there's a lot of pressure on, uh, as a comedian, there's definitely pressure to stand up because he has had the biggest show in America, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And now he has decided to bring cameras into his world. Yeah. And there's times I don't know where Curb Your Enthusiasm Larry <laughs> stops and actual real Larry ends because or starts because that... They're, they're basically one and the same, aren't they? Well, when he went to HBO, they were like a documentary about a return to stand-up. Larry David, David's attached. Seinfeld's just had its fucking huge finale. Everybody's excited. They still remember. And he went, yeah, but this is my idea. It's going to be a fake documentary. We're going to be aware that the cameras are there. We're going to talk to them. And nobody playing anyone is going to be my actual wife, manager, friend. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to like do a complete fake. But the stand-up bits in the middle are going to be real. Yeah. And yeah. they were like... What? what the fuck? <laughs> like, and that's why in season two, when he apologizes to the HBO executive yeah. about lying about his stepfather, <laughs> yeah. that was all out of this because right. he, he pretends he made up a story not to do the show. That's right. <laughs> it's fucking great, but again, uh, it set the format. And that actually, that that uh, that one off mm -hmm. is actually currently on Sky. Yeah, it's uh, actually on yeah. demand if you if you want to watch it. It's, it's the a bit only thing Curb related. It's on only Sky, Curb thing on Sky. Yeah, but it's there, and he, it, it's great to get away insight into how. Because let's be honest, they sort of really didn't get into the rhythm until maybe season two and three. Yeah. Season one was sort of fighting their feet, and like every season one was a pilot, uh, but it still didn't mean it wasn't uh, wasn't good. The 
the lead up then that that one off was a great sort of insight as to where this could go mm-hmm. because you've got a guy who is as a, as big a curmudgeon as you're going to get yeah who's also loaded loaded doesn't want to spend money doesn't really want on, on things he doesn't need to spend money on exactly um but also just cannot let things pass he has to pass comment he has to judge he has to query <laughs> constantly query yeah. why 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 mm-hmm. uh and you end up loving him for it because he does pinpoint and he has that knack and that came from seinfeld where he has a knack of being able to find the really mundane things that are so fucking annoying but you haven't really thought about them before yeah and he just does it to you an absolute to he it's unbelievable I know a few people like him. No, nah, there's a few now. There's a few like Davis floating about Oma. Just honest. staring up at windows and you're <laughs> or going, just the north in general, yeah. there's loads. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean we go in and, and uh, the other thing about this then we have a we sort of have a we have a long standing cast, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So you've got his manager, played by the amazing Jeff, Jeff Garland. Yeah. Jeff, actually that's sort of why they say that the first season doesn't feel quite complete, because he just had a stroke. Right, okay. And he was recovering from that, but he wanted to do the role so bad. Because he had done it in the, the, in, the in special. The, yeah, in the special, yeah. So Jeff actually comes in. He suggested the doc. He wanted to... Do you know Jeff Garland lived with Conan O'Brien before the Conan O'Brien show? No. They were like best friends and they were comedy writers together. Right. So he he knew this was special. So before we talk about the cast, there's, there's a major, major point we have to make about the show. And it's that it's not scripted. No. That, well, that's the one thing we want to get to is... Uh, and that is... It's, well, to me, as a person who doesn't write, it's fucking phenomenal. But to you, as a person who does write, it must scare the absolute shit out of you. I've, I, I knew it was going to be good because the idea was involved. And then when I found out, I didn't realize right away it was improvised. No, near did I. That's how good it is. No, near, no, I'm talking about season three, four. I started reading up and people were going, you yeah. know there's no script. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know he gives you a start, middle and end and tells you this there's is a, a scenario. There's the main plot yeah. and there's a subplot. Mm-hmm. But he just tells you it. You don't rehearse for it. No, no. He then says, right, land. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the cameras are go, there yeah. and away you go. And actually, once you do know that, you can't spot the we, little mistakes or the yeah. re-edits or whatever. And that's fine because then you understand what it's about. Yeah. Uh, but that is... The comedy improvisation of him and Jeff, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously it progresses to different characters over the course of time, but it's fucking, the bounce back on the two of them yeah. is unbelievable, and the rhythm they have. Um, and then you have uh, the sort of other characters coming in who they have said themselves as actors going, I've never done this before. Yeah. I've never, they're actors, they're not stand-up comedians. Some of yeah. them are, obviously, but, you know, the, the actors well, have never really come in for the improvise. Cheryl Hines, who plays Cheryl, David. Yeah was part of the groundlings and she was an improv like that's they're right, experts yeah. at improv like yeah. that's what they do they walk onto a stage and go give us three topics and then they go boom and away yeah. you go but she was also she's also a very good actress but she even she said I didn't understand when they hired me until they hired me and then I realised they wanted a total unknown because mm-hmm. they wanted people to still believe I was Larry David's actual wife yeah again which I did for the first season so did I. Mm, I just... Uh, I had yeah. no clue. Well, even I, when I looked up her name, I went, oh, that must be her maiden name. That's I'm not... She doesn't that, say yeah. David. No. They just... It's, it's, it's so realistic. Mm-hmm. It's uncanny. Um, I think maybe The Office might have been the only thing close to something as real as that, but it didn't have the fucking outrageous humour. Because this is the thing that's different, way different than Seinfeld, is this is Costanza adult mode. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of swearing, a lot of fucking profanity, yeah. and a lot of... Like, it's HBO, man. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the freedom to do that, um, especially when you're improvising and to be able to fire in a curse word or whatever, uh, and especially if your character is the character of Susie, who, yeah. um, Jeff's... I was going to say Jeff's long-suffering wife, but I think Jeff is the long-suffering one in our relationship. long-suffering. <laughs> just, but just she before, is brilliant. Before we get to Susie... The lure, there's a quote here that's brilliant. The, he hated, as we spoke about in our Seinfeld episode, if you haven't listened to it, listen to that first. Mm-hmm. He hated the, the idea of doing the sitcom format. Mm. Remember when they yes, did right, the first yeah. season, they did like eight episodes and then they were like, now do 12. And he, he basically was suicidal. Like he hated the thought of having to write these episodes. That's right, the panic he had, yeah. The lure of HBO was total freedom. So they had network friends that were so jealous of them when they seen the format they were allowing them to do. So they pitched the show where the lead isn't an actor, He's the showrunner and he's the head writer. And there's no script and nobody's allowed to interfere. David mentioned that the network, network showed up once during <laughs> season one. And he try, the guy tried to give him notes and sides. And David said, this conversation is never going to happen ever again. What are you doing? <laughs> that was it. They never showed up again. No. They just trusted him to do whatever he wanted from then on in. Yeah. 
And that's unheard of. Absolutely. And I mean, it actually must show, you know, if, if anything, it highlights the level of maybe how glaringly obvious Saint or Larry David was missing from the last few seasons of Seinfeld. Yeah, and I agree with that. And and HBO knew that, that the writing skills came from... And they also realised then too with Seinfeld and the way he's talking, he doesn't do things normal, but he also is a perfectionist. Yeah. Improv or not, he doesn't want to put out shit. No. And he never does. I remember the, there was an interview with him, Ricky Gervais does, where he's talking about stand-up in his early days and like there's times he'd walk out on stage look at the audience scan them and go nah not tonight just he walk off that, Richard, <laughs> Richard Lewis said said he watched him walk out look at a crowd and say never mind yeah and left <laughs> just walked off <laughs> it was just fucking brilliant Richard Lewis says Larry Davis is, is a genius he just couldn't get over the hump that comedians have to perform their material in front of other people <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so true to him we can just form the comedians you gotta like yeah. at some point especially when he was considering going back to stand-up comedy he hated the thought of stand-up comedy with people watching him do it yeah. <laughs> and then you get you know that's where the tv things definitely suited his nature yeah and, uh, that's, and, and that's, that's where he got the flurry saying obviously with us because oh. you're talking we're into 10 we're into 10 seasons Season, uh, was season 10 the last one to air? Yeah, yeah. 11's coming 11's now very soon, yeah. Year. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's as it's done well. And but let's again, let's sit since season one at the very first initial meeting of cast, and there's no rehearsals, uh-huh. they don't do script reads, they don't do tables, they don't do any of that. Larry David has said at the start of every season, this is the last season. <laughs> Yeah, since yeah. season one since season one he, he is, stood up and said to them listen there's a, not going to be any more in this season so just do this right <laughs> he is such a grumpy fucker like his dad I grumpy. love him for it uh, but there's uh, one of the biggest sort of uh, well it's a theme obviously if you call it that but the Jewish comedy yes you know um, still is obviously at the forefront because like it was Jewish and that's mm-hmm. his experience but Seinfeld had that thing as well, you know, where they, they sort of really played and, and, and looked into the sort of nuances of the culture and different things. Larry David has taken it and just fucking blown it wide apart. Um, and again, looked at the stereotypes and the cliches and the things that people expect maybe of a Jewish person or whatever. Uh, but he does that with such skill to be able to look into the small detail. Mm-hmm. And... and to then put a cast in front of you and go, well, listen, this is my idea. Let's just go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then to produce what produces, you know, is, is unbelievable. But I believe we have a clip of... The, uh, there's uh, Early on, a few a few seasons in, Larry is outside of a Cineflex and he's, uh, <laughs> he's doing a... Uh, he's whistling a tune to which a, an aggrieved uh, Jewish patron overhears. And... Um, this is what happens. It's so beautiful, so too. Yeah, listen to this. It's pretty. Excuse me. Are you Jewish? <laughs> Are you Jewish? You want to check my penis? Okay. Huh? Is that what <laughs> you right. want? My real question okay. is, yeah, what, what were is you whistling? Yeah, what were you whistling? Hello, Dolly? No, it's Wagner. Oh, was it? Yeah. You, sir, $100. I want to know what a Jew is whistling Wagner Do you for want to when know? he was one of the great anti-Semites of the world. You know what you are? What am I? You're a self Loathing Jew. Am I? Oh, well, yes, 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 yes. Jewish. I do hate myself. You, yes. But it has nothing to do with being Jewish. I do hate myself. It's not to do with being Jewish. Uh, and again, back to that, you know, uh, just uh, part of me always thinks, because most of these things, when you get to know Larry David's persona, or the persona of this Larry David anyway, mm-hmm. but even in interviews and stuff like that, you start to realize. Those are probably things that have happened to him yeah. most of the time. And oh, yeah. that's probably either he just looked at them, tilted his head and walked away and said all those things inside to himself. And then we get it in curb. We get it in curb. Because um, I don't think he goes about <laughs> New York shouting and running people like that. But then again, you never know. Well, they, 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 like Larry Charles has said the, the bit about the frozen yogurt where the woman keeps taking samples. And he's standing by going, oh, yeah, chocolate. So what's chocolate taste like? Cho-? He actually did. Because he was with him and he was just saying it out loud to the whole room, which is, yeah, you can see, you can literally, I can see him doing that. Besides, and, that, being and that's what I'm saying. The hard thing is you don't know what's real and what's no. not, because then you have to, 
you have to sort of take into consideration the what we talked about in, in the Seinfeld episode where uh, George, or George, is it Alexander? What do you call him? George Alexander? Mm-hmm. Who David was, Alexander. David, no. Is it? Yeah. George Costanza. Sorry. Yeah, yes, David George Alexander. Costanza. Jesus Christ. Uh, when he started talking about, you know, somebody, it was like season two or three where it was like a really absurd scenario. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he goes to the producer or director and goes, listen, yeah, this... Yeah. This just doesn't seem realistic. This wouldn't happen. Like, what do you mean? It happened to me. It was me. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> so then you sort of realize, fuck, maybe there was some madness that he's Man. up to. Like, um, but then you've got cast members in who also play along with that because in Curb Your Enthusiasm, they know what Larry's like. Mm-hmm. So they are constantly, even sometimes when he hasn't done anything, <laughs> yep. like the beautiful aunt. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> which wasn't his which fault is to be honest with you uh, like this think of the year you know this turn around autocorrect now we're well yeah. aware of this but at that time you're like oh fuck, no it's very easy it could be done uh so thankfully yes the beloved aunt just stays an aunt um <laughs> <laughs> you can guess what that is the uh the the whole series being titled curb your enthusiasm I mean, that, that sums him up, that's, Justin, doesn't it? That's perfect. Because this that's is, like, the, the build-up to Self-deprecate. That's yeah. a Woody Allen line. Yeah. Like, it has to be, like... <laughs> yeah, I hate he myself, said, not because I'm Jewish. <laughs> he said, right because of... Uh, he didn't want anybody to think this was another Seinfeld. So he wanted nobody to think this would be any good. <laughs> so he said, nobody should believe in the Seinfeld fervor. Also, people should, just in general, curb your enthusiasm in their lives. <laughs> Always keep it to not as unattractive. It's unseemly. <laughs> To be enthusiastic yeah. is don't unseemly. Be, don't be too enthusiastic. <laughs> if there was ever such a Jew, uh, Jewish phrase you ever heard, <laughs> don't be too enthusiastic. Uh, so yeah, we like we talked about there, you have the likes of Jeff Garden um, and you have uh, Susie Essman. Um, you have Richard Lewis as well, one of um, stand-up's greats. Yeah. But obviously a, a long-term friend of Larry David, well, who appears from season one right through. Yeah, he... There's a strange story about the two of them because apparently they went to sports camp together in, in the, ups, uh, the the Catskills in New York. I didn't know that. What the when they Larry were David, what sport was he playing? There was like a full American football, basketball, right. baseball. Like there was like a whole camp for Jewish kids, and it was like a big oh, sports right, okay, camp. Right, right. But the two of them were like met up at a stand-up show in their teens or late teens or whatever, and both figured out that they were the two kids that fought each other every year at sports camp. They hated each other. No way. They had no idea. That's and then amazing. the two of them meet up and they're like fucking peas in a pod. Like like the they two are. of them talking like in interviews. Yeah. It's exactly it's like a, them it's talking. Just a, it's just a restaurant scene in Kirby. Because they, they blow up at the exact same things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they know each other's buttons. When yeah. Richard Lewis was like, he was like, apart from obviously Woody Allen, and he was one of the first stand-up comedians I ever saw sets of. Where he was just super neurotic about everything, yeah. ex-alcoholic. He kept yeah. talking about it and he kept getting out there. But he was so funny, like. He was unbelievable. And they had been for so long. I mean, he was well respected too within mm-hmm. the circuit. Um, but he sort of then, he, he's um, he's kind of a, a, what would you call it? The sort of, not a recurring character and he's also not full-time. He just, he does pop in um, and some seasons less than others, obviously, because he was actually sick himself, I think, and. Yeah, in real life. In real right. life. And, then and he can't be in this season coming up. But he's actually because he's only, Yeah, I think they've recorded some of his scenes mm-hmm. already. So, I mean, that's a brave move on behalf of Richard Lewis. I mean, he, he allowed then that to be incorporated into the storyline of yeah. him being actually sick as well. Yeah. So it's a fucking, it's a, it's a, it's a mad, uh, it's a mad concept, and it, but it's done so well. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes grates on me when I hear people say they don't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're not giving it the, the, the respect it deserves in the sense of obviously the improv end of things and but then also the the even the guest stars i know you know some fucking great performances from people coming in as guest cameos i, like I love john ham <laughs> just turning up and being john ham <laughs> being yeah. but acting so weird <laughs> yeah and reserved and like going along with everything larry said <laughs> it's so good uh, i thought gervais was brilliant in the two gervais is, is good ben stiller another great fucking mm-hmm. one 
The uh, another swimmer, 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 very, very good, fucking fantastic. That's mm -hmm. right, yeah, that's right. Because Larry David and David Swimmer end up becoming the uh, producers, the producers, and yeah. they were going to do that on Broadway. Um, so yeah, you have uh, we talked Mel Brooks, about sorry, Mel, Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks, Mel Brooks being so amazed that somebody was so Jewish as Larry was. <laughs> that's right. Mel Brooks, when Mel Brooks gets shocked <laughs> in your Jewishness, there's something going on. The uh, we talked about Susie. I mean, Susie is Jeff's wife and fucking hates Larry. Just a war, and he man. wouldn't have much love for her either I don't think like the best moments are when she's she's just lit them up oh, and the Jesus. two boys look like two battered wings <laughs> that's what it looks like but the two other side scalded. the other side of that is when the two boys when she agrees with Larry on something you're always like <gasps> I know something's happening like you it's know right. it's about to go down mm -hmm. like <laughs> something's about to fucking happen and she's like is Jeff getting nabbed doing something stupid and she's <laughs> agreeing with Larry on something but she's a fucking firework like and again, when you watch her in action and you watch her and no one is improv. Yeah. Because she has to be the most angriest of them all. Yeah. She is the most angriest. She has to be, and she's proper roaring and shouting. And so then you get to say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> she has said she has been walking down the street with her parents, husband, children, and people walk up and go, please scream at me, you fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like... I can't right now, like, but when she doesn't usually do it, just, just fucking do it. Like, it's just it's too fun. Like. That was eyes light up and all this. But we have a scene, uh, audio from uh, the doll head. The doll head. <laughs> the, uh, the fact, I don't even want to describe the doll head. I just, you have to really watch that you whole to episode that, to know yeah. why we got to the point <laughs> where Larry has a, a doll's head in his trousers. That's all you need to know. Right? But the two boys are coming home thinking they've got away with their caper and standing in the driveway. <laughs> Is this? Oh, my oh shit. Oh, God. <laughs> Where's the head? I know you took the doll's head. Where is it? Hysterical because her doll Judy has been decapitated. Because <laughs> you two sickos took the head for God knows what reason. Some voodoo shit you're doing. Where is it? <laughs> Stop scratching your balls and tell me where it is. <laughs> all right, just get me the fucking head, all right? Get me the fucking head, all right? Both of you, because I've had it, you four eyed fuck <laughs> and you fat piece of shit. <laughs> And the fat fuck is her husband. Um, <laughs> the fat, but he, he looks four eight fuck. He looks worse off than Larry does in this. And yeah. Larry's got a, a doll's head down his trousers, and Jeff's just standing there like, if I freeze, I'll be invisible. <laughs> like a T Rex. <laughs> Don't move, she won't see me. Uh, so yeah, and you have loads of those type of scenes yeah. where Larry and uh, and Jeff are getting chewed out by Susie because they're you, you know they're always into shit mm -hmm. and they're usually doing something to fuck up. And the, the, what I love about it is. We know a few of them couples as well. Uh -huh. Where the man goes, oh, fuck. Yep. I fucked up again. <laughs> and he keeps fucking up. He keeps saying it and all he knows time. he's got the yeah. devil in the fucking bedroom. So just don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. But he keeps fucking he keeps up. He's fucking up. And then he just knows what's coming. And to the point, I know, I know something like that. He can just, they just tune out. <laughs> the shouting just happens and it doesn't even hear anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, relationships. But... Larry David, then, when we talk about relationships, then obviously Cheryl Hines um, playing his wife mm -hmm. is fantastic. because She's amazing. A lot of... You're dealing with Larry's neurotic sort of tendencies and then you're in a, a scene with him and you have to try and keep it straight. Mm -hmm. And in fairness to her, now, I've seen a few bloopers now, takes whatever, but most of the time she does well, which is yeah. fucking amazing just to do that. But then she's got the, the ability to come back and the rhythm and the timing that she has with mm -hmm. him is just perfection. Uh, I don't know, like you said, that gr the groundling thing makes more sense. I didn't know that. She was in the groundling. It definitely shows she has a lot Larry of Larry had well. met her uh, because Castle Rock, Rob Rayner, was producing their production company on Seinfeld, and she was uh, Rob Rayner's personal assistant. Right. And when she auditioned, he was like, oh, I know her. She's actually a really nice person and she's, actually, she's really attractive. And 
I think, and then when she came in and gave her backstory of she was in the Groundlings and she could do improv, it sort of all came together really quick. Then, yeah. Well, she said it was four hours after she did the audition. She got the role. She got the role, right. Okay, well, then you, then you right away. Uh, so we, we, we've, we've mentioned that, obviously, um, the Seinfeld uh, reference, can't mm-hmm. not mention it, because as well as that, they, they all make an appearance in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. At some point, which has been fantastic. We'll, we'll come to a, a clip later on of, of Mr. Seinfeld. But some of those scenes as well, you can almost get that sense of they know, ah, oh, fuck, this is actually something that I would do. Yeah. You know, so they really don't have to act that much mm-hmm. because they're just dealing with something that they've dealt with for the whole way through, what, nine seasons or ten seasons of Seinfeld. Jason Alexander. Yes, Jason Alexander. Jason Sorry. Alexander was a David I was fucking... But he, confused. The, him chewing the pen... And Larry yeah. getting annoyed because he's given the pain. Yeah. And it being the sole focus of the first table read of the new reunion thing. The reunion, yeah. Was and that's genius. all he was... Brilliant. He was worried about just because Cheryl gets a part in it and that, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But for him to be focusing on Jason Alexander <laughs> and Jason Alexander to be to know... To know that he, he's annoyed. Like putting it in his ear and putting it behind his <laughs> ear and rubbing his chest with it and all, knowing that Larry would just... Which is what he probably knew from doing it years ago. And about something inane, like, did you pick up that? Exactly, it would have happened right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew ex- again. They all know the buttons to push. Yeah. Um, and and eat some. Jul- uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus has a great fucking episode as well. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of episodes. Yeah, but um, so the, I, I love that that it was come back and it and the, the the good thing about Larry David playing himself as in playing you know the name Larry David and. It's real life in the sense that they obviously talk about Seinfeld, they know about Seinfeld, or else, is that you have them we in jokes and then we nods. You know, it's not a made up sitcom they used to be a part of this and real thing we all know. Um, and that adds a different element to it, doesn't it? It just gives it that to the point, like I say, it just feels like so real. Yeah. It feels like you're actually watching this happen. And, and then to the point you're going, fuck, I have to remember this is a <laughs> this is a show. This is not well, I, this is not the Osbournes. Like they're not actually in there. When they said that they were doing a season with Seinfeld linked through it. Yeah. I thought it would be every episode was dedicated. It's not. The, the episodes no. are dedicated to Larry trying to get Cheryl back mm-hmm. by continuing on with Seinfeld. Yeah. And getting her role in it. But I definitely didn't think they would take the piss out of the whole Michael Richards episode. Oh, uh, it was I thought they were just going to fly over it and we they were going to go. have, could they? Now you see it, now you couldn't, they couldn't have done it the other way. It was it's fucking brilliant. It's incredible. Like, uh, so you get a chance, I don't know what, what season that's, that's in, but that's when, after Michael Richards had the incident at the I think it's seven, Because it's right after the J.B. Smooth turns up and right. blacks. Well, that leads us nicely on that segue of Mr. J.B. Smooth. J.B. Smooth. Now, I, for me personally, I mean, well, I'm going to tell you, for me personally, it's between J.B. Smooth as Leon. For mm-hmm. my for my favourite character, I said Larry. It's either him or uh, Bob Einstein as... Absolutely, me too. Kaiser. Me too. Are they your two? They're my two. Right, they're my two. Absolutely, well, absolute have to be. Like. Yeah. Um, very shocking when I found out that it... Uh, you explained to me that Funkhauser didn't actually come in until later on. I thought he was like... He's, he's such a... He's such a staple of the yeah, whole thing you now. You if can't he's not in an episode, yeah. you're like, <laughs> oh, the funk man wasn't there? Where's the funk? Uh, and Leon, played by J.B. Smoove, who now has went on to do... Um, he was a stand-up, and, mm-hmm. um, but now obviously in Spider-Man and things like that, he's doing big movies yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But this here, again, his improv chops are fucking unreal. Stand clear. And you actually sometimes can see a wee knowing sort of smirk on Larry David's face when J.B. Smooth goes into one. Yes. You can almost see. Now, it may be an edit to cut out a, a, a corpse and or they laughed. Yeah. But there's a time to, because you know David's taking in everything he said, because as an improv, you have to listen to what he's saying and try and come back on mm-hmm. it. And this is a perfect example of it. Like, J.B., or Leon, we'll call him Leon. Well, uh, we'll talk just about J.B. Smooth first. But the whole concept of that, when the racial tension got on in America... Not only the, time, race, the racial tension, Hurricane Katrina... Yeah, all that. Uh, all of it. And Larry David... Who could have just kept the format as was, yeah. n- nothing needed, you know, the odd, you know, strange character yeah, popping up, you know, like Falkhauser's yeah. crazy sister, Catherine O'Hara, turning <laughs> up, right. she's a crazy motherfucker, <laughs> like, that all could have just kept going. Yeah. But to bring in a permanent family, family. that now lives with you. Called the Blacks. Called the Blacks. <laughs> And they thought they were just this civil family for, who'd been, uh, you know, misplaced their housing from yeah. the hurricane. 
And then all of a sudden, their ghetto brother turns up and ends up being like, like he was there from minute one. Yeah. Like, like when I was saying to you, he turned up in season six. You were like, no, nah, no. Nah. I had a couldn't bit of, be, yeah. Couldn't be. I thought it was later on, actually. I thought it was a lot later. He, he has, they turn up season six and the whole thing just lights up again. <laughs> so, so he G, does, GB yeah. Smooth, right? He found out he was getting a writing job in Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And it was getting renewed then for the second season. So his friend, friend passed away. Then he got a job, or then he found out he wasn't getting the second season renewed for SNL. Right, okay. And he was like, this is the worst fucking day ever. So his friend passes away. The funeral's in Los Angeles. He's in New York. And during his one-day trip back to Los Angeles, he, he visited his agent, who he'd mm-hmm. recently got signed with in LA. So his agent says, there's an action audition sitting here, and it's perfect for you. And he's like, I have to go to a funeral? He's like, well, think about it and get back to me. You want to do it before or after? So Smoothie tells his agent, he's only been in the town for one day, leaves the agent's office, goes straight to the audition, goes to his friend's funeral after, and then goes straight to Pittsburgh for a comedy show. His agent tells him that night he got the role. <laughs> right. So he has to move straight back to LA. So when he then does the screen test with Larry, and they do their first few interactions, David just starts telling the overall plot line now is, Starts Larry David intro, and it's the second one should be Leon intro because uh-huh. he's in the show for until it. until it's, it's over. Be, yeah, and and I mean that's again the skill of JB Smooth is unbelievable. It really is top <laughs> class, and his rhythm and all the rest. But initially, it was so out of place. But because Larry David brought that in, I think it was season two or season three where they started to have an arc that ran throughout the whole season. Yeah, se- no, it was season two actually because season one was all just sort of very enclosed episodes yeah, that are very focused yeah. on one thing. But then as season two comes, you get an arc, whether it's, you know, Lewis getting cancer or whatever the case may be, or the blacks moving in. There's always a an arc to hold you through. But then to be able to join as part of an arc and then become part of a fundamental character that you couldn't do without now. Mm-hmm. Every time Larry David goes home, we go, where's, where's Leon? Where Leon somewhere there in the house. Leon's like. here to get advice. Um, Leon moves in with him after Cheryl leaves. <laughs> and like we, as and we then say, he follows him to New York. Leo is such a gangster. Like when he, Everything he says is just pure street. And then you mix it in with, you know, you mix it in with David, who's in his fucking, literally a mansion. In the mm-hmm. fucking, and uh, Some of the vi- advice that he gives to Larry David is so but he, bang on, but so out of place. It's too. so... Remember there was the crazy eyes killer. Remember the rapper <laughs> yeah. and Larry and him jailed. Right. Larry says from there on, and he always wanted to have more African American characters yeah. who played, you know, who were comedians primarily. Yeah, and he wanted someone who could be quick on the draw. Now that boy couldn't do it. He's actually Chris Williams, no Vanessa Williams. Yes, that's his oh, right. brother and sister. So he couldn't do it. So he was like, "What am I gonna?" So when they auditioned, and then the, like he did the audition, Larry went. I'm going to run with this, like, yeah. because him and Crazy, he put Crazy Eyes Killer reading out all his raps, and now he's like, interesting. <laughs> but really listening to it, and really taking on board what he's saying, like, it was just really funny in that yeah. one episode. So for it to propel into it being a character that you you genuinely couldn't see this show without Leon and, now, like. And exactly, but at the start, you kind of felt a wee bit of a cringe factor. You're thinking, oh, is this token? Yeah. You know, and it is so not. I'm not. He's there Solely on skill and oh fuck! I mean his the fa- the, the family run the house, yeah, run the they, whole house. They're, they're running around yeah. asking Larry advice, and he's asking them advice, and it's yeah. like people, it's like his own, it's like his big extended yeah. family in the house. But to make two worlds come together, because yeah. uh, not about black or white, this is about fucking rich and poor. Yes, because yeah. JB's moved, Leon is from the street, mm-hmm. and then you have Larry, who's multi millionaire. But the the fact that the two of them, it it's so seamless now. Mm-hmm. The relationship built up together, even though they're coming from two different, completely different economic worlds, they're still getting in. And some of the shit that Larry gets into, he <laughs> has to come home to tell Leon. <laughs> and then he gets advice from Leon, and Leon lets him know what he has to do. And I have an example here, we believe, yeah. where Leon uh, is just giving some very uh, uh, appropriate advice to, to yeah. Larry. Yeah. What's going down, Larry? Listen to this, all right? Oh. In the doctor's office earlier? There's a guy sitting there, a skinhead, okay? He looks at me and he says, What the fuck are you looking at, Jew boy? What? Fucking faggot. What? What? What you do? What I do? Yeah, what you do? I slunk out. You slunk out? 
slunk. I slunk out. So you didn't do shit, and you punked out. That's what the fuck happened, right? Yeah, I punked out. I punked out. How'd that happen? What was I going to do? The guy, the guy could have killed me. Next time a man call you a fucking faggot, you getting that ass, Larry. You know what I mean? You getting that ass, Larry. That's what the fuck you do. What are you talking about? You let that man slide today. You got to immediately get in somebody's ass when that happens to you. You pull their asshole open, step into their asshole, close the door behind you, take a spray paint can, right? Uh-huh. Larry was here. You spray paint, Larry was here, wash me, all that kind of shit. <laughs> Fuck this whole asshole up. These snicker bars, throw some paper on the floor, read a newspaper, <laughs> ball of paper up the newspaper, and throw the newspaper on the floor. Mm-hmm. Fuck this whole asshole up. You know what I'm saying? Then you yeah. open that asshole one more time. Open it again. Open that asshole again. Oh! Step out his ass. And leave that motherfucker wide open so he know you've been there. Open it up. Step in. Spray paint. Larry was, was here. here. Leave garbage. Snickers. Eat Snickers. Leave garbage. Spit. Fuck it. Get out. Mm. Open it up again. Yeah. Step out the asshole. Step out. Don't even close that motherfucker. Leave it open so he know you've been there. <laughs> Feel me? I got you. <laughs> Get up in that ass, Larry. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> that, that's the type of advice that Leon's having <laughs> yeah. on a constant basis. And, uh, I mean, you, you, like I said, you've got the two worlds together. So the other good thing about Kirby is that you sort of get a wee, a little bit like Entourage, you kind of get a wee insight into the the sort of the, the fine dining of LA and the Hollywood sort of yeah. scene and the yeah, places yeah. where maybe they meet each other and they see each other at dinner and stuff. Um, and, you know, there's always somewhere where they're eating. Um, there are always some restaurants they're going to, and there's always a scene in there, and sometimes it can be fucking outrageous, as always. Uh, we have another clip, don't we? Of, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is the the chef who has Tourette's. And they open up a restaurant. Yes, they have a restaurant open, and the chef has Tourette's, and it's getting pretty embarrassing. Pretty embarrassing, and they have to figure out a way of masking what's going on. I love it. No one knows what to do. Yep. Maybe one day I'll get a chance to do something good for somebody like that. <laughs> Scum sucking motherfucking whore! <laughs> Cock! Cock! Chisholm! <laughs> Grandma! Cock! Grandma? <laughs> Bum! Uh, fuck, turd, fart, <laughs> cunt, piss, shit, bugger, and balls! <laughs> Damn it, hell, crap, <laughs> shit! You goddamn motherfucking bitch! <laughs> fuck you, you car wash cunt! <laughs> Susie never fails. Car wash cunt. <laughs> And you know what the genius of that is? Is that, you know, you, you get that wee insight before it starts off of Larry going, I wish I could help somebody out again. So he genuinely thinks that that's what, you know, that's, this is a, a heroic move that he's doing by standing up and starting to curse along with the, sh- the chef with Tourette's and then they all join in. Yeah. But the fact that they all stand up is like one of those fucking Dead Poets Society moments. Yeah, yeah. Getting up on their feet. Spartacus moments. Like, Spart- yeah, I am. But it's so fucking, I mean, that's the season end. Like, Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and I mean... I think, you know, you, you, you then move on to, like, obviously the cameos. The cameos we talked about, we know that, you know, you've got some big stars. I think mm-hmm. it got to a point, especially around four or five, where you, it was like The Simpsons. You know, mm-hmm. you, you wanted to be in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, and, but again, you have to be skilled. Well. Because you're dealing with improv and you're not. Let's look at the actual, the writing standard of this show too, like. Mm. Because like we said, there's ideas that get thrown out for a yeah. synopsis, like a plot outline with a subplot. But you can't just you can't just walk around hoping Larry had another bad day and that's yeah. the fucking So like Alec, Alec Berg, main writer from mm-hmm. Barry, David Mandel, Veep. Veep, yeah. Jeff Schaefer, Veep as well, all Harvard Lampoon alumni. Mm-hmm. Alongside Larry Charles and Robert V. Vide. They're the producers. They all worked on Seinfeld in some capacity too. I mean it's a great combination when you have Larry Charles and Larry David. Yeah. It's always going to work well. It's going to work. Yeah. Dan O'Keefe, who worked to Schaefer in Seinfeld as well. But Larry Charles, what I didn't know was he was tutored by Larry David on that Friday show. Right. Larry Charles would stand outside the comedy store in LA and sell jokes to, to comedians. Right. And they would he would make two three $300 a night because boys would just walk out and go, I need one about the LA riots. And he'd go, yeah, I got one. Well, $20. Okay. And Larry David spotted him and was giving it the... 
<laughs> what are you doing? He goes, I'm selling to... He goes, could you write like a plot outline for something? Or could you write a skit for me? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, but I'm not paying you for it. I'm going to hire you to write for Fridays. Mm-hmm. And that was the TV show they had before Sam, where he was working on before Sam film. And he turned up. And him and fucking David were like, and of course now Larry Charles is one of the yeah, fucking well, kings of comedy. Like, yeah, so. one of the biggest directors of comedy uh, in the world. Um, and yeah, and I mean, a, a cool looking guy too. He's uh, a cool looking guy. <laughs> you never miss him in the camera. Oh, no, the yeah, no, I always know. So then we have, uh, we have another reclub here, I think, of, uh, of Leon. This is, it's just, I, I, I have a tendency to watch the bloopers of shows on Netflix a lot. And this was one of my this was one of my favorite scenes, Um, but we're going to play straight after the blooper of this scene as well. (laughs) It's short, but try to guess why it's made longer. (laughs) And uh, I think you'll know the way that the notoriously stern Nari David has quite the funny bone. Like, (laughs) get it? Something over. All right, man. I'm about to bust. Enjoy your breakfast, Larry. You gotta bring it. I'm about, nice. about to blow up. <laughs> I just spoke to my wife. Okay. And uh, she said she was putting some flowers in your room. And she found a stain on your blanket. Stain on my blanket, huh? Mm. What, like a, a juice, syrup, maybe syrup or something like that? Mm. No. Gravies, maybe? Something in the gravy category? Ah. What kind of stain was it? Hmm? Ejaculate. What? <laughs> ejaculate. Ejaculate. <laughs> Not ejaculate. 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 <laughs> cum stain. Cum. Cum stain. What kind of cum was it, first of all? I, I, what do you mean, what kind of cum? Cum's cum. Come is not come, Larry. Come's come. Well, it couldn't have been mine. Know why? Because I gets mine, Larry. I brings the ruckus to the ladies. Okay, so you're you're denying this. Is that it? First of all, look around this place, man. Is there any visuals around here to jack off to? All we have is basic cable, right? What am I doing? Jagging off the Annie Gripper? Jagging off the Clara? Huh? You mean Aunt B? Aunt B, Clara, whoever. Who's the lady answer the damn phone? Who's Clara? Who's the lady answer the phone? I don't know. Is that, is that Clara? Name Clara? I don't know Claire. I know Aunt B. Nobody want to jack off no damn Aunt B. I don't remember any beauties on that show, frankly. <laughs> it's not my comment, <laughs> right? So, just have to say before the f- the first comment under that video is, I love how he, Leon's only been there for one day and he spilled juice gravy and syrup on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is the this is the blooper it takes from this particular scene. What kind of stain was it? Ejaculate. The what? <laughs> Ejaculate. <laughs> not, not a jackalate. <laughs> I'm hearing, I'm hearing jackalate. Ain't no shortage of ladies in my in my stable. You hear me? That's all I've done. It's fucking. <laughs> it's very rare you'll see Larry David break up the guy. Well, apparently Probably. Larry David is the one who they used to lose the plot at Michael Richards during Seinfeld, and Larry David and everybody else was real serious actors, and they used to lose the plot because Rachel kept breaking. And Michael Richards was a performer, and he would always go, "No, the performance has to stay. Don't make me laugh." <laughs> And David would be the one going, he's right, you know, you see. And, and Curb, he <laughs> fucking busts all the time, apparently. He can't hold his water at all. <laughs> oh, Matty, right. Well, I mean, you know, some of the things, it's, it, I hate referring back to Seinfeld, but it'll be redundant if we didn't mention it. Yeah. Because Seinfeld's whole sort of shtick, if you want to tell yes, we, uh, the introduction talked about a show about nothing, mm-hmm. but it was sometimes the real minute details, the observational stuff of like the things you just don't think about and then when you think you go right fuck i never how did i uh-huh. never empty my and a good comedian will do that you know they, but to get it into a show mm-hmm. and then to stay relevant enough because each season goes back is still kind of topical in that sense it's still got a theme running through it that is relevant to either his world or the world around us yeah and i mean it it, it 
it continues on with the introduction of more characters. The so introduction <laughs> of Marty Funkhauser. Marty Funkhauser is, <laughs> is to me as important as Leon. Yeah. Because Marty Funkhauser, without a shadow of doubt, is one of my favorite performers on television. It's funny. Bob Einstein, who's Albert Brooks's brother. Oh, I didn't know that. He's Albert Brooks's brother. Right. He, um, again, another absolute shining light out of nowhere. Yeah. He's just a, he plays a big, uh-huh. mundane, born. When he gets happy, you have to get involved. When he's sad, the whole world is sad. <laughs> Everything happens to the funk man. <laughs> and he's all, every time they fall out, the next episode, they're going golfing together or something. It's just <laughs> amazing. But what you don't expect, and especially the clip we're about to play, is that the funk man drops such vicious, vicious jokes. <laughs> because when I heard this, I had to pause the episode. I was laughing that much. <laughs> and I had to go back and watch it again. And I made my wife come in and watch it. And I was like, we hate the joke. It was so funny. But again, it was because it was played so well. And if you've ever seen stand-up stuff of Bob, who passed away recently, and that's a fucking yeah. absolute tragedy. Oh, because he was amazing. Unreal. But if you ever see his stand-up stuff, that's how he plays everything. Yeah, I've seen it straight a couple down the of sets, yeah, straight down. And uh, Arrested Development, he appeared in that as well. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, but yeah, a great, great comedy actor. But on this one, the voice too. Yeah, he's a great the, the voice just, it's so unique, obviously. And uh, But it's one of those ones where it's almost military-like, his voice and his accent, in comparison to David. You know, like Larry Davis, obviously a typical sort of New York Jewish guy mm-hmm. in, in his accent, but the funk guys are coming in. He does bring the funk in so many ways. He brings the funk in a lot of ways. So um, <laughs> prepare yourself. If you're listening with kids, don't. <laughs> you shouldn't be. No, you shouldn't be. Jerry, Marty, Funkhouse. Hey, Marty, how you doing? How you doing? Good. Want to hear a joke? <laughs> Seinfeld. Uh, he doesn't want to hear a joke. We have a read through. Yeah, we got Let me just get right through it. Okay. A woman's very afraid of the size of her opening. What is she afraid of? The size of her opening. <laughs> so she goes to her mother. She says, what am I going to do? I'm so big down there. When I marry Harry, he's going to divorce me. Her mother says, don't worry, sweetheart. It runs in the family. Do what I did when I married your father. Go to the market, get some raw liver. Put it in there. I'll never know the difference. Oh, my God. So she does. They have eight hours of sex after their marriage. She wakes up at 10 o'clock. He's gone, but there's a note on her pillow. It says, my darling Harriet. To think that I waited a year to consummate our love relationship makes my heart beat so loudly I'm surprised it didn't wake you up. The only reason I'm not here now, darling, is I'm at work to make enough money to buy you a house, a picket fence, we'll have dogs and children. Ah, this is not so bad. Oh yeah, this is great. Will you finish the fucking joke already? (laughs) When the five o'clock dinner bell rings, I will be home like the winged gossamer of your love in your arms, your loving husband, Ah, Harry. Ah, that's nice. P.S. Your cunt is in the sink. I'm going to look for the outtakes because there's no way there's no way Jerry Seinfeld uh, (laughs) did not erupt he didn't know he didn't know that's the first time we heard the joke but for that to be your (laughs) what what am I going to do in this Like, and and Funkhauser just turns up to the Seinfeld table where he isn't meant to be there he's supposed to be there oh brilliant so Funkhauser is there Ted Danson and Mary Steen Bergen. Mary Steen Bergen again. But there's tons you could go through the whole. I mean, it's massive. I mean, I didn't know. It's so huge the amount of guest stars, and it really is. Larry's father, Nat, mm-hmm. who turns up all the time, he's Shelley Berman. Right. He's the first stand up comedian to ever win a Grammy. Oh, there you are. For stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of stuff like that. But I mean, the funk man. <laughs> There's the aftermath. So obviously it was announced June, the end of June of this year, mm-hmm. that Curb had gotten the green light for an 11th season. <laughs> the last season. The, la- like, yeah, the 11th <laughs> yeah, last season. Oh, yeah. So this is like David's quote. Believe me, I'm as upset about this as you are. <laughs> <laughs> One day I can only hope that HBO will come to their senses and grant me the cancellation I so richly deserve. <laughs> And he fucking means it too. You know, he right? means it. He genuinely means it. He loves doing it, but he doesn't want to do it. The uh, JB Smooth tells a mighty story, and he says he, he invited Larry to pretty much every family affair he'd had. Mm-hmm. You know, 
kids' birthdays, and you know his sister had this big fortieth birthday, and Larry couldn't turn up, and he came out for his own birthday party, and he was of course doing it real rich gangster style, where everybody mm-hmm. had to get dolled up to the nines, and mm-hmm. there was DJ playing, and there was people serving drinks, and it was a real big lustrous affair. And he says, "I I always go big on my birthday," and he says, "And I looked down, and Larry was there. <laughs> he wasn't dressed up. <laughs> he was wearing his normal sneakers, no." And, and Leon, he said he was so excited and happy about all the people he'd seen, but he was just so happy that Larry was standing there that he ran down the stairs and gave him a hug. And the first thing Larry would tell him was, you know, you're a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> he was like 25, five minutes late to, to come out in his big presentation. Larry was just raging. He was standing there and he just wanted to get on with Don't it and, time. and move on. Like. <laughs> so the Seinfeld syndication itself. Yeah. The amount's been decreasing each year, obviously, with TV shows and people getting streams and yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. But payments will continue until the full agreement was reached of how much syndication gets given. Syndication money, sorry, is given to Larry David, mm-hmm. which is one point seven billion. Mm-hmm. So that's his original syndication deal. It has made three billion overall in syndication. <laughs> his deal was: I get one point, I get this percentage, uh-huh. and until I get the full amount of that percentage of the syndication. You just pay me every year. So every year he's been getting... And then he does... Uh, 50 to 100 million. A hit series in HBO. Yeah, and, that, well. and HBO pay him a considerable amount of money for that. And that's gets re-showed and re-aired. And it, all gets, yeah. it gets its syndication now again. You know, like you said, it was on Sky for ever, and only recently it's went off. It's but that's off. because it's moving to HBO Max. Yeah. And then it'll move back here for something else, and the deals will all grow again. So he'll continue. And that's the thing, he never... He, he dresses the way <laughs> a poor man would dress, you yes, know, somebody has no money. But he also doesn't hide away from the fact that he's got money in the show. And I like that. If I had to put him into a small house to make him look like he doesn't live in such a big... It wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. And, but it also opens up so many avenues because then, and even within the show, it, it leads to some great scenarios and some great scenes because... He's Larry David, so he's invited to wherever he wants to go. He can go mm-hmm. to any party he wants to go to. He's just that fucking odd. He doesn't want to go to them. Doesn't want to go. But they're always an out for him. There's always mm-hmm. a, a thing there for him. Um, the <laughs> the one with the porn stars. Oh, brilliant. Well, it's Bob Odenkirk? Yeah, Bob. Have to take his shoes off and Take his shoes off and, and all And then he's telling all these disgusting stories about porn. And he's like, what the fuck is the matter? My shoes in the carpet. Like, yeah. And he says, cunt and all things silenced. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, I mean, uh, probably an experience. I don't know how many houses Larry David has been put out of in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I don't, but I would say the, it freak, probably, the freak book. It probably reflects <laughs> real life. I mean, he's bringing a drunk limo house. driver to the fucking. <laughs> you know, it's just nonstop. But Even in the more recent times as well, the the spite store. Yeah, uh, opening up a, a coffee shop just to annoy the person but next then to him. spite. Jonah Hill and Sean Penn inspired <laughs> <Yeah>. by it. <laughs> To open up spite store. Oh, and what do you call her? Oh, Mina yeah. Suvari. She Mina doesn't. Suvari. They're all open yeah. up spite stores because the people didn't do what they wanted. Like, yeah. Sean Penn runs a fucking bird. <laughs> <laughs> like he's selling exotic birds. Oh man! But there's there's a few there's a few stories I want to just finish off with. Obviously, the theme tune is called "Frolic" by Luciano Michelini, and Larry David overheard it in a bank commercial, like years before, and he kept humming it. And then he was like, I, I've got a theme for this. <laughs> and they were like, that's where the fuck did you pull that out? And he goes, it was a bank commercial when I was standing in a hotel room and I watched it and went, and he just kept humming it. The and let's, let, let's, let's give that the credit it deserves. Because, yeah, because that's a good spot. But not only is that a good spot, but he has created a theme mm-hmm. that is a meme. Yes. You know, yes. the very, the modern world now has taken that, whole, that theme tune Mm-hmm. Will represent something has gone wrong. Yeah, something has fucked up, or yeah. somebody's sad. Somebody's not happy. Oh yes, this music is now used oh, by yes. everyone. Even people who don't watch Kirby enthusiasm, they know use this track, and they know that. And the if thing. they start to watch Kirby, they'll go, "Oh my god, this is the start of this show." And <laughs> yeah. they usually indicate something's going to go wrong. Usually something indicates something yeah. has went wrong at the end of a video. Uh, but then I'm hoping if you haven't watched Kirby and you're listening to this and you do start watching it, you'll realize. Why it represents every oh, fucking sad fucking Remember, Have you watched the Netflix doc, Long Shot? No. About a guy who was charged with murder in Los Angeles? No. 
but his his backup was that he was at a baseball game. Mm-hmm. But there's no footage in the baseball game of him being there. Right. Okay. And it's a real like this guy was going to jail for life. Mm. They figured out that they were filming the episode of Curb where Larry takes the prostitute to the baseball game. Right. And they contacted them and they had B-roll footage of the guy sitting there and he got off death row. No. <laughs> Swear to God, it's a short, it's like 45 minutes or something on right? Netflix. Look at it. It's fucking incredible because Larry David's even in it. He turns up and he's like, these guys contacted me. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and they got the guy off, but David doesn't seem that plus. He's just like, yeah, eh. this is normal. <laughs> so, but the thing I want to talk about, right. In an episode uh, at the end of season six, I believe. Larry goes to Shelly's bar mitzvah, or sorry, the the, the daughter, Shelly's daughter, uh-huh. and uh, or bat mitzvah or whatever it's called. And the whole episode has been plagued by rumors that Larry has had a sexual <laughs> fetish with a gerbil of his ass. Yeah, that's right. Now <laughs> we'll play the clip, but then we got to get into it. just a, an aside of why that's intriguing because I found out why. And the real story of what this means yeah, to popular if culture. I, if I hear gerbil up the ass, yep. I think Richard Gere. Absolutely. Right, okay. So let's, let's play the clip and see. So, because, uh, again, it's a terrible thing to be associated with, Pro Richard, but that's what it is. This short and just say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. What we like to do right now is uh, open it up to anybody who'd like to say something, make a toast, uh, whatever. Come on up. Yeah, I'm going to. Larry. 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 Larry first up, like. Hey, um, well, first of all, I'm so thrilled to be here at Sammy's Bat Mitzvah tonight. This is a fantastic occasion. You know, I've known Sammy since since she was born, actually. I was in the hospital, remember? Yeah. I was in the hospital that day, and I saw her, you know, when she was like five minutes old, and it was not a pretty sight for me. It's the first time I ever saw one of those things, you know. Um, anyway, what I really want to talk about tonight is that there's a guest here spreading a vicious, nasty, scurrilous rumor about me and a gerbil. Okay, I'm sure you've heard it. And uh, there's not a word of truth to it, okay? He has a personal vendetta. So don't believe one word of that. It's not true. However, in the interest of full disclosure, I will tell you that... Um, I do have a tickle in my anus. And they're slightly related to each other. <laughs> Point is, it's not true. I just thought it was important right, to say that. Fine, this is Larry, not right. thank you very much. Spread thank that you. vicious rumor about me. Okay. Larry, okay? thank you that very much. And not... What are you looking at, Tesla? I'll put a fist up your ass. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom, what's what? <laughs> what I really want to talk about is a rumor about a gerbil, man. Not to do with the way in. So, so like, that, did, that did come. Is that, that's where I came about. Richard Gere right. had a, some sort of fucking, there was some sort of rumor or some story. Really about. bizarre rumor. And not only was it bizarre because it just implied Richard Gere was having these, you know, really bizarre sex fucking acts, mm. but nobody had ever heard of something like that before. Mm. Nobody had heard that that was something that people do. I still don't know if it is something people do. Well. Oh, no. The rumor spread by an anonymous prankster. It was sent. The people say it was a guy who was in acting class with him years ago. Okay. And once Officer and Gentleman hit and he became like, oh, God, this boy's the real dude. Uh-huh. He was in a few flops after. But then he was in Pretty Woman. Everybody's like, this yeah. boy's the fucking boy. He's like, the he's man. the sex yeah. man. Like, people got jealous. Because Richard Gere apparently do. Yeah. wasn't the nicest guy to people. All right, okay. I could, so I could see that, yeah. Faxes were sent to every major movie studio mm-hmm. from this anonymous account saying, issued by the Association for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, claiming that Richard Gere had abused a gerbil. But as a reporter from the National Enquirer found when he attempted to track down the gerbil story, there was no fax at all to be had. However, the account is real. This is from the people that actually happened there. In retrospect, lighting the match was my big mistake, but I was only trying to retrieve the gerbil. Eric Tomaszewski told Bermuda doctors in the severe burns unit of Salt Lake City Hospital. Tomaszewski and his homosexual partner, Andrew Kiki Farnham, Kiki. had been admitted for emergency treatment after a felching session had gone seriously wrong. 
<laughs> I, I pushed a cardboard tube up his rectum and slipped ragu or gerbil in. <laughs> he explained. As usual, Kiki shouted out, Armageddon, my cue that he'd had enough. His safe word was Armageddon. Oh, sweet lord. I tried to retrieve Ragu, but he wouldn't come out again. So I peered into the tube and struck a match, thinking the light might attract him. At a hushed press conference, <laughs> a hospital spokesman described what happened next. The match ignited a pocket of intestinal glass and a, fl- a gas and a flame shot out the tube, igniting Mr. Tomaduski's hair and severely burning his face. It also set fire to the gerbil's fur and whiskers, which in turn ignited a larger pocket of gas further up the intestine, propelling the rodent out like a cannonball. (laughs) (laughs) Tomaszewski suffered second-degree burns and a broken nose from the impact of the gerbil, while Farnham suffered first and second-degree burns to his anus and lower intestinal tract. Oh, sweet mother, there you are. So, entirely bullshit. But with a mighty story, but regardless. But a mighty story in the background. Uh, and so you know then, Larry David obviously was was playing on, that, that bit in Curb Your Enthusiasm was being played on the Richard yeah. Gere thing. Oh, yeah. But obviously he also knew there was, you know, that background to it. And yeah, you could keep it as a real weird, like to this day, people say Richard Gere and yeah. they go, Durable guy? Durable guy? None of it true. Not a fucking word of it. Right. Well, it's time for us to, time for us to, I think this has been pretty, 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 oh, pretty good. Oh, you did the thing. Well, quick, quick, quickly though, favourite episode, if you've got one. Oh. Palestinian chicken for me. Palestinian chicken up there, is good. Um, what do you call the, oh, I had it up actually. I had looking at it the other day. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Probably the Dirt of the Blacks or something, was it? No. I was actually looking at it. I can't remember what it is. No, there you are. Uh, there's a lot. There's they a all lot mentioned the one fucking season. Is the Yeah. You know, like there's loads of bits that you feel is in one episode and they're not. They're spread across. And that's the thing. You have to remember, uh, there's so much stuff fired out there. But I do love some of the more recent episodes. I think the portrait one is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Larry's whole thing of getting Susie a portrait. Yeah. <laughs> To try and finally get her onto his side yeah. is fucking brilliant. And again, one of the best moments horrific. of her loving Jan- Larry. <laughs> like, yeah. Only for a short period of time. Short period. <laughs> uh, right, well, uh, on that note, we are going to get back up in that ass. And With no part. gerbils. With no gerbils. We're just going to open that ass up and get the spray paint out <laughs> and eat some Snickers. So on that note, all I have to say is... Mm-hmm.